Hello, humans. Big special thank you to everyone who signed up to be a patron. Incredible. Just incredible. From the really generous pledges to the $1 pledges, which have just become something that really warms my heart. $1 a month, and it'll add up. There's some perks if you pitch in more, but if you can, pitch in a buck a month if you're enjoying this. If you're brand new to this, well, that's okay. Yeah, Listen to it, and then if you enjoy it, become a patron. Anyway, check out our website, hellohumans.co. We're featuring stories, videos, and this podcast, and we have so much more to come. I'm going to keep this really short and sweet, but if you do want to become a patron, www.patreon.com slash hellohuman. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash hellohuman, or everything you need to know is in the description. All right, here we go. This one is for the people trying to go somewhere. The ones who deep down feel a calling to a project or purpose or new career or next chapter. And hopefully you've already started and it's okay if you haven't, but when you start anything worthwhile, you realize, whoa, this is a lot slower. This is a lot harder. This is a lot more exhausting than I ever thought it would be. And if it's important to you, hang on, because in my own experience starting Hello Humans, right now I have a kind of exhaustion you just can't sleep off. It's tiring. And sometimes I'm really excited and others, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I've even felt like giving up a couple times. And so if it's important to you, hang on, because the excitement will come back and you're just gonna have to figure out a way to enjoy the journey. When you look at people who are there, that place to where you want to be, well, it can be a little overwhelming. Like, how do I get there? And so today's guest isn't there. She's just beginning. Mari Andrew is an amazing illustrator with a huge following. But deep down, she's always been a writer, even before she started illustrating. And we're launching this podcast alongside with her new book, Am I There Yet? The Loop-de-Loop Zigzagging Journey to Adulthood. So if you end up wanting to hear more from her, pick up the book. A, it's a great book. B, it's illustrated. And C, it helps a young artist who's going for it. And believe me, we need your help. This conversation's a little different. It's more like one creative talking to another. And so I apologize in advance. I talk way too much. Meg, our producer, and I tried to cut out as much of it as we could, but still, I talk way more than I'd normally like to. So let's just get to it. You, enough, you're going to hear enough of my voice, I promise. Without further ado, here is Mari Andrew. You ready? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hi. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I don't know the person who lives here. <laughs> They're a stranger to me, but I welcome you to this household. They seem pretty interesting. This is uh, Meg's friend's house. It's great. So let's jump right in. Who are you? Who am I? Yeah. Oh, wow. What a loaded question. It doesn't a lot have to of be layers. what you do either. Oh, like oh no. Are. Okay. Yeah, I'm a Libra. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm an only child. Um, omnivore. I am by by profession and by passion, a writer. 
And I also make illustrations. And I think I'm more known for my illustrations, but in my heart, <laughs> I'm a writer. Yeah, that's, that was funny to me. Uh, Meg, who introduced us, showed me your Instagram, which is all all your illustrations, basically. Right. And then when we brought you on, Meg was like, she's a writer. She, she's a writer first in her head. <laughs> that is so nice. It's so nice when people do that. Yeah. I've, I've told people that and, and then they're very adamant about introducing me as a writer, which is really sweet. It's unnecessary, but it's really sweet. I can be a writer in my heart and not need that, not need that introduction. And you wrote, you wrote a book. You're a writer. Yeah, I yeah. wrote a book. Yeah. I got to read it. Oh, fabulous. You're one of the, Um, (laughs) probably about the third. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I love that there's pictures in it. That's my kind of book. Thank you. Me too. And yeah, I, so I had fun reading your book and I had fun looking at your illustrations. Yeah. It's funny in in so many ways. uh, I felt like I got your story right away because you moved to San Francisco for a boy at one point. Wanted to. Wanted Almost to. did. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully uh, didn't. I had a girl move out to be with me. Oh. We ended up having a baby. That was not planned, but the kid's great. Great. You know? Yeah. Uh, the relationship is over. Sure. <laughs> Long yeah. over, but yeah. the kid is great. Kid is great. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's hard to avoid the, the illustration at uh-huh. first because one of my favorite things is I went to school for product design. Mm, wow, interesting. And so part of it is drawing the product you're designing. Sure. Yeah, that sounds very technical. It, it is so technical. Yeah, it sounds really boring. The teacher's like, I used to love drawing and I had to unlearn everything I learned yes. at school to even try to start enjoying drawing again because it was like the perspective is off. Right, right. And the shadow wouldn't look like that. Right. And your core shading is not how it would. Yeah. And... um. My favorite thing about your drawings is they are not technical. Uh, no. <laughs> and I, f- I feel like that's part of what why it stands out is because it is just you drawing. And it's your drawing. And it's not <laughs> uh, photorealistic, which I, I enjoy looking mm-hmm. at, you know, the high craft of really technical artists. But it's something I envy <laughs> is that you can just draw and be like, this is my drawing. And you might not like it, you know, yeah. it might not be up to your standards, but yeah. this is, this is what I drew. This to is th- it. Yeah. This, <laughs> this is, is all I've got. <laughs> this is as good as it gets. Yeah. I feel really lucky to have you because although you have a massive following, I mean, the world is responding to your artwork and I'm, I'm sure will respond to your book when they read it. I feel like we got you just at the <laughs> cusp, right? Like. After the very beginning, but still at the beginning, I'm really excited oh, to to watch so nice. you. I think you have huge things ahead of you. Oh, gosh. Thank you. And so if you're not cashing out yet, <laughs> I, I wouldn't worry about it. The money's going to come. I'm sure. Wow. I'm thank sure you. That's God. what I tell myself. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. The money's on its way. I think that's how manifestation works. <laughs> so part of your story is, is a journey, is kind of a life of... of of journey and travel in the beginning, at least. Yes. And so tell us how you got here to this apartment. To you, this apartment. You, you can decide journey. wherever you want to start the story. Yeah. Well, it's funny that um, one of your first impressions is the, the lack of technical skill in my work. That's something that held me back um, for so long from expressing myself in that way. I think like a lot of people, I said... 
I'm not an artist, so I can't make art, which is now one of my mission statements. Actually, when people ask me what's the one thing you want people to take away from your Instagram, I say that they can do this too. Like you can talk about your life. I'm just the person talking about my life and expressing it through pretty <laughs> bad drawings. I, I failed the only art class I ever took, drawing class, for exactly the reasons you mentioned. I had no command of <laughs> shading or perspective. Uh, none of that appealed to me. It felt very mathematical. And the illust- even though I've, I love illustration and the books I'm really drawn to are um, have illustrations in them, like graphic novels, and I was really influenced by SAS who incorporated some kind of visual element into their books, I, d- I didn't feel like that was available to me because I wasn't good at it. And then I just started doing it. And then I realized, oh, if you just do it, you you are an artist. Like, you just make art. You're an art. I mean, it's incredible. It's an incredible thing to realize. And I realized that when I started drawing about two and a half years ago, when I was at a kind of rock bottom. And I think it often takes a rock bottom to make you uh, think about the person you really want to be. And there was, I had so many thoughts like, I want to be a person who draws every day. I want to be a person who wakes up and does yoga. And I thought, like, those things are pretty <laughs> within my control. Like, I can actually, it's not like I'm I'm wanting to be a rock star. Like, I can be a person who draws every day. I can accomplish that. I like to do it, so I'm going to do it. And so I just started posting these uh, drawings and f- purely for pleasure. Um, and people did respond to them. And I think it is the, probably the authenticity that, um, people recognize. And even though it's not like technically good art, I do put myself into it. And I, I think people can sense that. I think part of it is that it's so, it's close to home because the drawing is conceivably something they might <laughs> right. be able to draw. And yes. so it's close to home. And then it does have authenticity and it's so accessible. Which oh, I used to you. I used to do sculpture and it, everything was really literal. I think my favorite things are concepts that you can explain to a small child. You know, like you could I can kind of just give them a tiny bit of guidance and then they'll explore it. And when I was kind of going to galleries and in the art world, I noticed a lot of times people were looking around to see what other people thought of it because mm-hmm. they weren't quite comfortable. <laughs> yes. You know, because there's always that, like, so you go out on a limb and you go, this is fantastic, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Have you ever, you talk to a friend and you go, I love this song. And they come back and they're like, this is a terrible song. <laughs> Who are you? And like, they're, they're like reconsidering your taste. Right, right. And wow, it's so cool. I, You know, I hate to judge anything by how popular it is. Uh-huh. But, you know, by sh- by just looking at, the number of people who follow you and engage in the post, they actually like it. They actually yeah. comment. I think that is a huge sign of a healthy expression where people are, they're not only just like, oh, I like this. They're like, you need to see this. <laughs> and then other people are like, you need to see this. And it and it built. And um, it's really nice. <laughs> it's really nice of people. Uh, yeah, to have that kind of 
engagement. Um, I feel it emotionally. I feel what they're giving me. Um, I'm naturally extremely sensitive. And so I, I feel all of their engagement, you know, in a, in a really real way. So it doesn't feel like social media to me. It feels like something like human to human. And that's really special. I love when people interact with the work. I mean, on so many occasions, I don't quite get the interaction you get yet. Soon to come. <laughs> it's coming. It's but, coming. Um, so many times people have gone out of their way to leave a really thoughtful comment. Mm-hmm. And a few people have even gone out of their way to track down an email for me and write me. And a lot of times it's funny how it works. It always comes at the right moment. Mm-hmm. It always comes when I'm like, Yes. Maybe I should think about my options, right. you know, right. and it's so I call it consuming responsibly and mm-hmm. doing this project where mm-hmm. it's like way out in the open has made me realize, wow, if I like something, I have to like it. I have to comment. Mm-hmm. You know, if I subscribe to a newsletter, I got it. Even if I'm not going to read it, I got to open it because yes. yeah. just <laughs> when they see that I opened it and clicked on a link, it shows them keep yes. going. Please keep going. Yes, I, I do the exact same thing. It makes you so aware of how important that is. And the fact, I mean, for better or worse, the internet is it's what we've got right now. That's what we're living with. And we can critique it all we want or say that, you know, social media is damaging to us for various reasons, but we've, we have it. It's what, it's how we're interacting these days. Yeah. And so we have to, I think like anything else, uh, any invention that has ever um, changed the world, we have to start thinking about our own personal ethics and the way that we're going to be responsible with it. And engagement is certainly a way to be responsible and consume what you really, really love. You know, the rest is kind of noise, but um, engage responsibly. I love that. So I love that you say you started from rock bottom because I started from rock bottom. My, oh, yeah, my latest the spot. My latest writing project is basically like at 22, I realized I knew nothing about life. Like yep. I, mm-hmm. from 12 to 22, I was checked out. I was like not <laughs> growing. I was high. <laughs> so with your rock bottom, are you comfortable just telling us what it was? Oh, yeah. Where, where <laughs> yeah. you started? Yes. I I mean, when people ask when I started illustrating, I think, you know, it's been like for any creative person, it's been a lifelong um, pursuit to express myself. And I've always that's always been really important to me. Um, It's always been a value. That's kind of how I live. It wasn't necessarily for a purpose ever. Um, I really, as a writer, wanted to be published someday, but I figured it would be down the road. I figured it would be kind of later in life. And throughout my 20s, I was just kind of bouncing around to different jobs. I was never in a job I was very excited about, um, which didn't really concern me because I just thought I'm a creative person. I'm never going to have like a day job that I'm really jazzed about. But I just realized I wasn't doing the things that I really wanted to be doing. I wasn't the person I knew I could be. And um, as you said, I spent a lot of time traveling and exploring and kind of finding myself and journaling, but I wasn't really, I wasn't expressing that. I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything productive with that. So I was just going to say, there's only a certain point that 
reading, seeking, gathering can take you. And then, yeah, you know, right. it's like I have read every, every <laughs> exactly. single self-help book. <gasps> totally. Um, and at some point you have to do it. And, yeah. it. and it's not about incorporating everything you learned. It's about finding like a couple things that work and adding those. Yes. But like actually practice. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think about that a lot now because I do a lot of um, kind of self-help, self-care exercises. And I think, all right, when when am I just going to like go to the drugstore? Just be, you know, I, I have to be like a person out in the world. I can't be doing like self-care stuff all day. Um, so you're right. I think throughout my 20s, um, I was just an explorer. I was a seeker. I was really interested in a million things and pursuing them. I actually had, in hindsight, a, a really lovely... Uh, much of my 20s because I just kind of followed my whims, which is a really privileged and beautiful thing to get to do. Um, when I was 28, I was dating a guy I was like obsessed with and uh, we broke up um, around Valentine's Day. Also Valentine's Day weekend, my father died unexpectedly. Um, and a couple weeks later, um, I had some health issues that were that made me feel very lonely and isolated and uh and all of this at one time was obviously quite traumatic in that it took away the things that I thought were stable and I didn't have a good relationship with my dad and in hindsight I didn't really have a great relationship with this boyfriend but they were I I kind of took them I thought they were just going to be around I thought the people in your life are kind of around forever and um I I kind of thought I'd never had anyone very close to me die. And I thought people were just kind of around forever. And then here were these things that were taken from me. And because of that, I was so lonely because no one else really understood. I didn't really feel like talking to anyone else. So I just had to spend a lot of time by myself. And I was also kind of out with these health issues um, for a few weeks where I couldn't even really leave my apartment. So I was just sitting in my apartment, like depressed. And I felt like I was at the bottom of a pit. And I knew that I had to get out of it. I knew I had to go back into the the bright world. I knew I had to get back there or even be there for the first time. But first I had to build muscles to pull myself out. And I thought, I thought a lot about what these muscles looked like. And for me, I had a pretty good community of friends, but I wasn't the strong person I needed to be to pull myself out. And the way that I thought about myself becoming stronger was becoming happier just with my own person, like not happy because of a job I had or because of a boyfriend or because of any, anything external, but just really happy with myself. And so I wrote down a list of things that I love to do. And one of them was paint with watercolors. And I thought, why don't I do this every day? I love doing this. Why don't I just do it? So that, among many other other little hobbies, is something that I started practicing. Talking about taking things for granted, I dove pretty deep and I, I found out that there was a there was a a period of time where you lost control of your body. That yeah, that actually came. That was pretty recent. Um, that came as I was finishing my book, and uh, that was such a shock because I again was kind of in this place 
you know, when you want something so badly and then you get it. And for me, that was a book deal. I'd wanted that my whole life. And once you get it, it becomes kind of normal, which is that's one of the like really (laughs) upsetting things about life. It's like you want this thing so bad and you think this is going to like make me the happiest person in the world. And it does. But then it becomes your normal life and you actually have to write a book, which is really hard. (laughs) Well, you also realize that you make nothing on your first book exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah, right yeah it's not like you just yeah. get to like <laughs> like the richie rich fantasy of like uh, yeah it's not quite what i was expecting um but it's i mean i'm of course very grateful for it but it's uh it becomes your normal life and you're still hustling and you're still working really hard and everyone on the outside thinks that you're living the dream and uh so that so anyway, I, you know, I had these, this strong Instagram following, which sort of, you know, at certain times made me feel really good, really proud. I had a book deal. I was like, um, I actually went to Spain to finish my book, which was such a dream. Like who gets to do that? That was incredible. And then all of a sudden I had this um, totally sudden out of the blue autoimmune disease and was unable to write or draw for about two months, which made me totally rethink my identity again. Like, this is now what I'm known for. I'm a writer. I'm an artist. I express myself through my hands. I'm a dancer. Who am I if I can't, like, produce anything? So that was another big identity shift. (laughs) Like, wow, I am just like a human, pure human, unable to really contribute anything to the world. And what is that? It's funny how, so as you're saying this, I'm thinking about like, when I think about my identity, it has nothing to do with the fact that I can move, you know? And that's funny how part of it for you is like, I identify with being able-bodied, Yeah. right? And that was taken away. The only, the closest thing I can compare it to is I went to jail and I realized that getting to walk around more than like eight by 10 space, Mm -hmm. like freedom is so precious and it's like, it can be taken away. I remember like, you don't get to decide when to eat and like getting a pencil was the biggest Mm -hmm. deal in the world. And so it's funny, it's funny how profound loss can be in hindsight. Yes, loss is the teacher. We had Steve Simone on and he just said like, people who have been through the darkest times shine the brightest. And I I loved that line. I love that. I've I've been thinking a lot about optimism and positive thinking lately. That's kind of my... It's so cheesy. I call this my my New Year's revolution. Like, what am I going to totally change about my life this year? And this year, it's all about gratitude and positivity. And I think we often think that people who are super positive, we have this idea that they're like naive and don't know about life. And like, you'll learn, you know, like if you're a really optimistic person, like obviously nothing as bad has happened to you. And it's, I mean, the most truly positive, optimistic people I know have been to hell and back a million times. And they they know what life is really about. And they they make that choice to be optimistic, which is incredibly hard work. There's a lot of barriers to optimism, too, because <laughs> I, when I am thriving, there's a lot of people who, whether they mean to or not, just like they need to take they need to chip at you a bit. I know. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then I, I've been on the other side of that where somebody is so happy and I'm not. And it's just annoying to me, you yeah. know, and like mm-hmm. the first place my mind goes is like, you must be full of shit. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you must be. But I've, I've been on the other side of that where it's like, wow, I have this little period of time where I'm not having my weird <laughs> bad self-esteem mm-hmm. or fear of failure. And I'm like, I feel like I'm glowing and I feel like some people just want to throw a blanket over me, you know, and mm-hmm. stop and stop that. And I think part of it, I mean, I'm not as psychologist at all but i think part of it must be that it means that they have to take a look at their own attitude mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a lot of projection yeah. a lot of project i believe in projection i believe that normally when i hate somebody it's it's, it's, it's me about you, know? you i know <laughs> almost all of my problems are me i i i know yeah. that was my lesson actually of 2017 both because i was dealing for the first time with uh internet criticism trolls and a lot of it was I think based on my sort of positive I mean it was it was a lot of things that I get criticized for but yeah a lot of it was like putting a blanket over my happiness and I always it's hurtful because I am so sensitive you can't make sensitive vulnerable art and then turn it off when someone criticizes you it's gonna affect you it's so amazing to me that people take the time to criticize like it's like we can't turn it off as creatives Uh but they can like they they, they have a pretty pretty easy choice uh, i've gotten intense hate mail (laughs) and like me too violent they're having a violent reaction to my work and i just felt like you should have stopped you should have stopped reading if if this isn't good for you right you know and yeah it's a it's amazing so you read the comments too i don't anymore (laughs) which is it's so sad because like you said um people take the time to write beautiful comments actually my mom reads them and she'll send me um really good ones and i i don't think that the criticism bothers her as much, or at least she doesn't tell me about it. Um, so I have like a filter and uh, I, re- I most of the emails people take the time to write are really nice. I've gotten some multi-paragraph trolling emails, which are, again, it's like <laughs> taking the time to do that is beyond me. But it, But I have to think, I mean, I always send this person like my love because they've got to be in a pretty dark wounded place to project that much onto someone they don't really know anything about yeah it's there's a sense of ownership too with the people that you follow like uh my mom will share her her boyfriend's piece Mm -hmm. who's brilliant and she shares my work a lot Mm -hmm. you know she's a mom and people are just like we don't want to hear more of that oh what you you know like we we're here for you she doesn't ever read the comments she'll she'll find the the good comments sometimes but uh and she's just like this is my page yeah you know i'm gonna post what i want like uh it might appear to be like the official Anne lamott page Uh you know but it's like (laughs) yeah i post this stuff you know and and i'm gonna post what's interesting to me and if you don't find it interesting and you just like my work you can buy the books you know like (laughs) 
<laughs> link to Paige. I use her line a lot. It sounds like you'd be happier somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love. Like, yeah, just, you know, you can scroll on past. That is well within your right. Yeah. What What are the things that you're carrying with you every day? Like, it, it seems like you're a seeker, too. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's part of the reason why I was really looking forward to having you on here. And it's like, what are the most useful tidbits you've you've picked up along the way? Especially... Gosh, there's so much to draw from, whether it is dealing with criticism, mm-hmm. which can hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we, we do better with it, and, mm-hmm. and other times it really stings. And and yeah, what are the most useful things you're using these days? These days? Yeah. Well, the big one right now is where you invest your time is where you, how you, that's how you become the person you are. And... I think that was a lesson I learned even when I began drawing. You actually can become the person you want to be. Again, like if you want to be the person who draws every day, you can do that. If you want to become a person who wakes up early every day, you can do that. These are things you can do. And I think right now I'm I'm relearning that in a way of really realizing the time that I spend thinking about certain things, the time that I spend talking about certain things, that like I'm going to grow from that either in a negative way or a positive way. So if I spend my time gossiping, if I spend my time complaining or thinking about trolls, there have been times when I'll get a really flippant negative comment and it'll just consume my day. I can't work. I can't talk. I can't. I'm just paralyzed by it. And that's not okay. So right now I'm really working on mental tricks to just turn my brain toward the sun. Like whenever I I get upset about something from the internet or or I'm frustrated with my work or any kind of uh you know work something day to day that's upsetting me, I just say I'm so grateful to have a dream job and I leave it at that. And just cut myself off. Like you can do these things to train yourself to be more grateful and be more positive. And the people I really, really admire, they don't spend time ruminating and on these on these negative things that happen to them. And I'm sick of doing that. So that's my that's at least my goal right now. Hello, listener. Let me borrow you for one second to share our goal with you right now. Our goal is to have 1,000 patrons, you can become a patron by donating a dollar a month. And you can donate more too, and there's there's perks that go along with that. But even $1 helps if you've never pitched in to help another creative. We want to be your first. If you go to patreon.com slash hellohuman, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash hellohuman. If you go there and there's not a 1,000 patrons, join, become one. And slowly, we're going to figure out a way to keep making this happen and um, going to stay positive about that. Secondly, we need you to write a review. If you enjoy this podcast, take five minutes, write a review in iTunes. It's really easy. It could be a couple words, even one sentence, whatever feels comfortable. Again, let's get a thousand reviews. We're getting tens of thousands of listeners. We're asking for 1,000 to write us a review. It's helpful to people who are just looking for new podcasts and want to make sure it's worth their time. All right, back to the interview. 
want is one of those words that gets thrown around so carelessly, <laughs> in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It's like friend. It's like friend is a sacred role. <laughs> and not all your acquaintances are friends, uh -huh. you know. But with wants, it, everybody has a list of wants. Mm -hmm. You can say, oh, yeah, what do, you, what do you want? What do you or what do you want out of life to be more specific? Yeah. And they'll, they'll start listing off all these things that they want. But it's not real because if you really want something, you do. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, it's like it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I want to finish this book I'm, I'm working on. Mm -hmm. But if you don't sit down and do it, I don't think it's I don't think it's a good use of the word want, oh my God, you know? know, and I know a lot of really amazing friends. They're in that story of this fantasy that one day it'll happen, mm -hmm. but yes. they're, they're not doing it every day. If you yeah. can't do it for at least a half hour. I would suggest an hour mm -hmm. or more if you mm -hmm. can. It's not real. It just it's it's real in your mind, but it's not it's not happening. And it's so easy to think that the second you start, it's just gonna go right, and then yes. and then you start, and it goes so much slower, <laughs> yes. and it doesn't quite look like the vision mm -hmm. you have you know, mm -hmm. I, on the first podcast. I, I've worked with the guest before, but the most useful piece of information he's ever given me, which profoundly changed my work, is the vision you get. If you're creative, that strong vision you get, it's not a blueprint. You're not supposed to completely build it to scale. Mm -hmm. But it's like this thing in a different language, in the language of the muse, as he puts it, and your job is to translate the emotion of it or translate it into the human world. Mm -hmm. And there's, it doesn't share the same words. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look the same. So don't ever try and make that vision. Just try and get as close to you can, but really try and capture what it, what the vision is and why why it's coming to you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And why you're doing it in the first place. Yeah. But doing's really hard. And it's really hard. It's very hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was that person throughout my 20s who said, you know, I'm working at a whatever uh, nonprofit boutique coffee shop now, but I want to be a writer. And I thought that was impressive enough. I thought it was impressive that I wanted to be a writer. <laughs> and it's, it, it is a, it is a, pl a, a starting place is at least permission. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, like even getting to that point to want to allowing yourself to actually want something. I think that's. I don't want to completely discredit that. I might have just yeah, done that. No, yeah. <laughs> it's legit to have dreams. It's legit to have dreams. I feel like a lot of times it gets cut off you know, yeah. with bills yeah. or, or all this stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the disconnect for me is that I wasn't even writing. I was like, I want to be a writer. And I wasn't, I mean, I was journaling, but I wasn't writing. And I, you know, I would say I want to write a book one day, but most of my favorite writers don't sit down to write a book. They sit down to write. And you are a writer if you write anything. And I wasn't writing anything. So when I had my rock bottom moment, I, you know, I it brought to light, why do I even want to be a writer if I'm not doing this in my daily life? Do I even like it? And then I realized I couldn't live without it. And I always had this dream of publishing a book, but my real dream was just to like, just to write. And once I started doing that, I thought this book is getting into the world 
one way or another, I'm going to make it happen. I don't care what kind of publishing it's through. I'm going to do it. And I, I will print it at Kinko's. Will, right. Yes. Yes. I will hand scribe. Yeah. I really felt that way. And it was the first time I realized, oh, I am a writer because I want this. I want to do this thing so badly. It's not, it's not about the finished product. It's not about the shiny book launch party, although that sounds fantastic, but it's about the actual act of doing the thing I really, really love to do and feel like I have to do. Like there was a time I I realized I would rather die than not write. And that was quite profound for me. It made me realize, again, my identity is so closely tied to being a writer that without doing that, I'm kind of, what am I even doing? I don't even want to call it a book, but I'm writing my first like really long form piece that I, that in a while in the first part, it's just notes to myself. It's kind of, it, but the first part is you have time here. You're going to die. Almost everything you do is to get a little bit more time here, right? Whether it's housing, mm. eating, sleeping, yeah. it's just to get a little bit more time here. And your job, your only job is to use your time in a way that makes death a little bit less scary. Oh, I love you know, that. Like, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, I used to do sculpture and I was lucky enough to have friends that helped me get shows and they weren't huge shows, but they were shows. You know, I got that little clout on, yeah. on Facebook to be like, got a show going <laughs> yeah, by. Totally. Uh, it's the best. Tonight's my night. <laughs> and um, then I've, I've had people come up to me and they'd be like, how do I get in a show? And I would just say, well, what do you have to show? I'm like, oh, yes. well, I'm working on this, this and this. And I think if you finish stuff, whether it's like perfect and polished or not, if you take things from start to finish, I think that immediately separates you from a huge percentage of the population. I um, Part of my work and just being a person that can actually do the stuff I want to do was getting rid of the critic as much as possible getting rid of the protector as much as possible, which are all inside things. But it's mm -hmm. like um, the critic is like, I'm being abusive to you because everything good you've ever done is because of me. Mm -hmm. And then the protector is like, you're not going to start this project because if you start this project, the critic's going to beat you up. So, <laughs> you know, those yeah. are like my inner ar <laughs> archetypes. And so when I got over that, I just started doing. And, you know, a lot of it is like, I'm not quite comfortable enough to show, but just getting in that habit, start, finish, yeah. start, like finish. Habit. Yeah. Gosh, that's, that's one of the biggest turns I've ever taken in my life. Yes. Yeah. And I'm glad yes. you, you take things to finish because it's lovely and because people like it, you know, and it's really easy to, uh, it's really easy. I know because I do this to draw a drawing. It doesn't turn out the way you want, you know, mm -hmm. oh, God, that extra line, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> Screw it up. everyone's going to know I don't have the hand eye coordination to make yeah. those lines connect. Um, but you just finish it anyway. And, you know, or like a lot of times with my drawing, I have no idea how to use uh, lights and darks in a way. So, you know, it's scary to lay down a bunch of black mm -hmm. Uh and sometimes it just it just ruins it. And it's easy to quit right there because it's never going to turn out to be the drawing you want it to be. Mm -hmm. You just finish it. Start, finish, start, oh, yeah. finish. Because the critic will tell you the less things you finish, the critic will tell you or whatever inside of you will tell you, don't start because you're not going to finish. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, like it's like ammunition for that shadow side of you to use against you. Yes. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. No need to finish. <laughs> no need to <laughs> Yeah, if you just habit is so so essential for the creative life. And I tell people who ask me, do you get like artist block? Like is it hard for you to think of something to draw every day? I mean, the thing about drawing every day is yeah, there's a lot of crap I probably wouldn't put in a book, but it's on Instagram. It's pretty low stakes. And because I'm just kind of putting thoughts out there, yeah, it's it's not maybe like this beautiful finished work, but it's done because it's posted. It's out there. It's it's something it my brain is getting in the habit of thinking that way. And when you you know, shitty first drafts, like you are going to make a lot of crap if you're a creative person and you can't wait for the polished, beautiful thing before you start showing yourself. You're going to be waiting a long time. And you can't wait for inspiration. No. Yeah. No. I feel like inspiration follows action. Yes. You know, like not the other way around. Like you don't wait for... Okay, here I have this crazy woo-woo kind of spiritual theory. Oh my gosh, please. But... um. You know how like the light bulb as an invention popped up at like a couple different places in the world at yes. the same time with no connection. Mm-hmm. So I believe that if there is a muse, I believe there's kind of like oh, yeah. a muse. I don't believe my stuff comes from me. Oh, no. Um, yeah, I, I feel that way too. <laughs> it's It wants these things to get produced. Mm-hmm. So it's going to give it to say 10 people or however many people mm-hmm. it thinks it's going to need. And so it will. So one of you, 10 people will actually do it, you know, and then I feel like the more you do, the more you do it, the more it's like, hey, that's that Sam guy, that Mari, that Mari girl uh, is reliable. I'm going to send her some more, you know, when I send her when I send her an assignment, she gets it done. (laughs) And one of the best pieces of, of, of advice I've ever gotten is a professional sits down and does it inspiration or not. Mm. And good work or not, you just sit down and you do it. You sit down and do it. You write. Writing is the easiest thing to put off. Mm-hmm. Like the easiest. <laughs> I mean, no, I don't want to discredit other art forms, but it's so easy because you never want to do it. No. Like no. You, you want to want to do it. Uh-huh. And like, you know, you have some good stuff cooking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when it comes time to like seeing what's on the next episode of that, <laughs> that Netflix yeah. or like sit down for two hours. It's never, you know, you're always kind of like, like a parent to yourself, like, yes. sit down, yep. sit down and do it. Yep. I just had something I really wanted to ask you and I totally blanked. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the muse will, <laughs> will have to visit us. <laughs> oh, okay. This is, I love that. I mean, you say you were privileged enough to get to travel, mm-hmm. but I mean, you've worked a lot of entry level or like not going to go anywhere (laughs) jobs, which is my story, which is Mm -hmm. almost everyone's story, unless you have the opportunity, unless you're you're blessed to have, I don't know, parents who can support you Mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, not screw up that -hmm. that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so when you work a job Mm -hmm. (laughs) 40 hours a week to pay your bills, Mm -hmm. it is next to impossible to work that extra four hours mm-hmm. you know when I, when i would get home from working my job the last thing i wanted to do was make a sculpture yes you know you are exhausted mm-hmm. you want to lie down you might need to lie down can you tell me about i mean you had to at least from your book i gathered you had to work to support yourself mm-hmm. and you also had to do after that work can you tell me about just 
how. How? Yeah, I know how I kind of did it, but uh-huh. I want to know how you got there to hmm. that that discipline. Now that I'm doing this more full time, it is easier to be able to wake up in the morning and do it. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be here. I'm. My mom is very much like, pull yourself up by your bootstrap. Mm-hmm. You're going to swim the English Channel. I'm going to be in a rowboat cheering you. <laughs> but she she didn't rob me of that failure, mm-hmm. which I'm which I'm glad of. She Thank let God. me yeah. fall yes. over and over again. It's great. And so, okay, yeah, your shift just ended. You're tired. Oh, my God. Yeah. 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 I mean, for that time in my tw- most of my 20s, I, I was waiting – I think a lot of us, when there's when we have a goal in mind, whether it's to climb a mountain or uh, start dating or paint, you know, masterpiece, we're waiting for circumstances to be totally ideal. Like, oh, when I lose five pounds, I'm gonna go hiking, <laughs> or you know, when I um whatever I need to do to feel better about myself, I'm gonna start dating again. And I and part of my my rock bottom revelation was I'm not going to ever get to that point where circumstances are ideal. Um, I worked really, really hard in my 20s and I don't regret any of that. It was such a, a time of exploration and really investment years because now I have like so many stories about <laughs> my travels and failures and and work and uh, dating and all kinds of all kinds of ways that I messed up and all kinds of ways that I inadvertently triumphed, and uh, but during that time I was completely exhausted all the time. I would spend what energy I had going out dancing, and uh, being ridiculous. <laughs> and I it took it took me the 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 revelation that I'm not going to live forever forever and if I want to be a writer I need to start now um I made a lot of excuses for myself I'm too old I'm too young I don't have my life I don't have like a stable job that will afford me time to write and I realized I just have to do it so I started getting up uh at six which might as well be two a.m. for me I love I I mean I don't try and prescribe that crazy habit i love waking up early i do too. my best days i wake up just as the sun's rising mm-hmm. i feel like i own the day like yes i was here before you son. yes like, this- <laughs> I, I am ready <laughs> you're on my turf yes yeah yeah so yeah i know it was not easy for me to wake up early but i started doing it and i said i'm gonna work two hours before my job starts and i did it and it's really I I don't know how to like give that advice to other people because I think you have to live I think you almost have to have your own hopefully not but probably have to have some kind of rock bottom moment to realize I've just got to do it. I've just got to like start living my life. Like life is not going to wait for me. So I need if I want to do this and I would rather die than not do it. I've got to make time. So for me, that was in the morning because I'm so tired after work and usually have things going on. So morning is my sweet spot. And I actually rented an art studio, which was um, more than I could afford. But it's what I could. I had to do it in order to in order to do what I really, really wanted to do. I absolutely had to. So I would trot over to my little art studio from six to eight every morning and then go to my job at nine. 
And I would use my weekends. I, I stopped socializing. Me I too. was like, I just got to do this. I can't go to the park with you. Exactly. Yeah. Which is so hard. Uh, I'm so glad we're on the same page with this. I, I feel like in a perfect world, I'd be able to work in the late, late hours. Mm. I love those night owl I hours. Too. But like I have a kid. I had these these jobs uh-huh. and uh, it just wasn't going to happen. But so one of my favorite uses in the morning, which has nothing to do with creativity, but it does with wants is I would wake up and I would go work out really hard first mm. thing in the morning and people would go, why? Yeah. And I would go, well, because. I love myself more than this job. And so I'm going to give myself yes. the best hours of the day, Yes, you know, exactly. and so I'm going to show up to work a little bit less enthusiastic, yeah, Totally, but that's because I deserve the best, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I felt the exact same way. Like I love myself too much not to do this. I've got to do this. And yeah, I'm giving myself the most glorious time of day. Dead end awful jobs can be a great place too. I know I worked a lot. I mean, I dropped out of college. I had a kid at 19, you know, so I ended up in a lot of jobs that were, you know, fun people to work with or great bosses, but they weren't going to go anywhere. I was never going to retire. And it's so motivating to have that experience and especially to be kind of struggling a little bit. I, I, I loved that place because when I did start to do stuff for myself, I knew why. I knew that I didn't want to work at that job forever, but oh man, so working lousy, shitty job is so okay. It's so part of survival. Like first job as human, survive, right? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. essential. Uh, So if you need to work this shitty job to survive, work it, you know? And I think there's, you should care, you know, you should do your best to be a good employee Mm -hmm. and to, Mm -hmm. to serve your employer and your customers but yeah i'm so i'm you know i'm looking at the my prospects i'm trying to find some kind of job that maybe like grad students would get where they can do their homework like a parking lot security job Uh (laughs) edit the podcast in there totally yeah Uh, that's the dream and the, the 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 less money i have the bigger the fire is getting you know? know it's kind of great it's I kind of know. like this awful great event yes where it's like wow i gotta hustle yes you know like yes. from, from when i had a nice uh bigger like let's do this for 10 months or seven months or whatever i can stretch it out into to um to like now where it's like whoa it's like such a necessary evil i know yeah. i know it's very primal that feeling like I I almost kind of miss. I mean, this is some like <laughs> nostalgic privilege, uh, but I I sort of miss my like twenties time of being so desperate and working several jobs and having to squeeze in time to write. Or I you know I was I had like so little sleep all the time, and I was trying to squeeze in fun and travel and like working so hard to get like eight hundred dollars for a plane ticket and. And I don't know if I'm going to have that again. I mean, God, I hope I hope I don't have that again. I won't have it in the same way because I think being young, there is a, a little more, we have more energy for one thing. Um, <laughs> I feel like you have a slightly easier time asking for more money as you get older. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. I've been here for a while. <laughs> right, right. Can we just make the assumption that I know stuff? <laughs> Certainly. Yes, yes. <laughs> you do have a little higher standards for yourself, I like to think. Um, but that hustle, that is such an exquisite time where you're just like, 
I will do anything. Like I, re- I would have done like whatever for $50 and just to pay for my art studio. And it is kind of this like really rich time. I always tell people I have so many, I get so many emails. Like, I mean, one is like, how did you quit your job to become a writer? I want to quit my job to become a writer. And I said, I say, you know, I, that is not like something I meant to do. Like, I literally did not have time for my job when I got a book deal. And I, (laughs) this isn't like some, I didn't quit my job. And then the money just like appears before me by some patron. It doesn't work that way. And I still have to work very hard to support myself in New York. Um, And then I also get a lot of emails from really young people who want to be artists and, or writers. And, um, you know, they're like 19, like, what can I do? What, how do I begin uh, becoming a writer? And I don't always say this, but what I want to say is wait till you're 30. (laughs) Like, wait till you have a story to tell, because I think the worst thing that could have happened to me for my career is getting like a job at the New Yorker at age 22. Do you work at the New Yorker? No, (laughs) no, but that, that would have been that would have been terrible because I, even though I wanted that so bad, even though I wanted to like be a professional writer when I was 22 and I thought I had so much to say, I hadn't lived yet. I hadn't like, there's so much scope of life that it just was not available to me yet. And because I started when I was 28 and because I I finished my book when I was 30, my first book, I had a lot more to say. I had a lot more living that I had done. So now I can draw on those experiences, which is such a gift for me, as opposed to if I had written a book at age 20. <laughs> it's like, what am I going to write about? Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't wait till you're 30 to start writing, No, but you should start just as a, a habit. And exactly. Practice. Exactly. But I have some good news for you. There is, um, <laughs> there is a study that says that people who receive amazing things in life later tend to keep it longer tend to enjoy it more I so like that. that is I like that. that is the that's what keeps me going nice <laughs> <laughs> these are the things we tell ourselves so one okay we'll wrap this up soon but uh one of my favorite things to especially doing this podcast i've realized how little i listened to people it was like you yes. speak, so then I get my turn to speak. Yeah, I probably still do that a little bit. It's, that's but human. I'm working on it. That's the one thing I'm working on. And one of my favorite things to ask people now is like, "What's your why?" You know, and it's all different. You know, and so I just wanted to ask you, "What's your why?" You know, why do you do this? I do this because it makes me happy. And at the end of the day, if I never write another book. Which I really hope I get to. <laughs> or if all of my followers drop off the face of the earth tomorrow. It's very likely. <laughs> or if Instagram <laughs> dies or the yeah. internet is <laughs> <always> unplugged. <laughs> Would I still do this? Would I still draw every day? Would I still write every day? The answer is always yes and then some. I still do a lot of drawings just for myself and I do a lot of writing just for myself. It's really lovely when people are touched by what I have to say, but at the end of the day, it's for my own fun and joy. That's great. It's okay to be selfish. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, some of that was, uh, I mean, that's important to me today, too. It's like be selfish enough to just take care of yourself 
so you can give it away. Yeah. You know, and and so yeah. part of it means if 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 I can't do that, saying no. Yeah. Got It's hard. Yeah. I like to end it this way, which I kind of like to think of like a time capsule mm-hmm. in a way. So if you could speak to young Mari mm-hmm. at whatever point you think you could cause the most influence, mm-hmm. or you could speak to that young artist who mm-hmm. wants to wants to do this, mm-hmm. or you could speak to uh, a relative of yours two generations down that you'll never get to meet, mm-hmm. what would your message be? This is how to human. Mm-hmm. What would your life advice and message be (laughs) enjoy just enjoy there's so much to just take pleasure in about any stage of life you're in I find myself nostalgic for the some of the worst times of my life and just the, the tiniest pleasures that I got during those times like even being paralyzed in the hospital and having so little control over my own happiness I find myself like nostalgic for going to sleep watching Golden Girls and just, you know, kind of having having time to focus on these very small pleasures. I think when I was younger, I was so desperate to accomplish and desperate to um, have things figured out. And I wish I had just really enjoyed what I could in those moments. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. This was great. This is Alex from Chicago. Um, One thing I know for sure is that I have so much to learn, and that's not something to be afraid of or embarrassed about. That's just what it is. And uh, I think another big thing that I know for sure is that nothing happens overnight, so I don't need to waste any time expecting it to, but I just need to keep showing up and doing the work, and it'll all happen from there. This is Stuart from Los Angeles. If I could talk to my younger self, I would tell him two things. The first is never to burn bridges. The second is that it is impossible to overstate the importance of exercising patience. That's it for episode 11. If you're working on something, if you feel that calling inside you that you're supposed to be doing something, never give up. I have it tattooed on my left arm. I have a sign in my office. Never give up. Just keep going. Unstoppable has nothing to do with speed. So just keep trucking along. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoy our future episodes. And remember, check out our website, hellohumans.co ton of great stories videos and this podcast and if you want to support us go to patreon.com slash hello human that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash hello human and even a dollar a month counts but there's some perks if you want to pitch in more like recording the message that's for patrons who contribute twenty dollars or more or for people who contribute a story anyway that's it for now i hope you have a great day until next time